This is the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast, and I'm your host, Cindy. I gladly welcome you to this comfy, cozy space for introverts, highly sensitive people, and solopreneurs who help and heal. This is a place for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. Gather around the hearth, get comfortable, and settle in. I'm glad you're here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm here today with Lori Kangilla of Singularly Sensitive, and she's here to talk about her new book that is launching today. So welcome, Lori. Thank you, Cindy. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Because I know you specialize um, in working with highly sensitive people. So I feel like that's maybe how we got connected on Instagram. But tell us a little bit more about your work. Sure. So yeah, I'm a psychologist and I specialize in working with highly sensitive people and highly sensitive therapists. Um, and I do have a subspecialty in working with people who are gifted and creative. So I see a lot of artists and musicians and writers and really bright people. And the common thread in all the people I see is that they are highly sensitive. And so are working on figuring out how do I live that in a world that's not really set up for the 20 or so percent of people who are highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that. Um, it, Yeah, it is a different world. The world is not, I mean, it's set up for the majority and with us being 20% of the population, that's, uh, <laughs> it can sometimes be a little bit difficult showing up in the world. It can. Yeah. The world is often loud and fast paced and doesn't give um, those of us who are highly sensitive a lot of chance to to stop and reflect and do that deep thinking and deep feeling that comes so naturally to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my and- goal is to help people do that and and figure out how to manage better in a world that isn't going to change for them. We have to we have to try to figure out how do we go through our lives in a way that that works with the world we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's so wonderful the way that you've done your book as well, because it encourages people to reflect and it has those those questions that you can really sit with and and think about how you want to show up in the world. Um, so the book that is is coming out, it's called Wonder and Delve, a journal for bright, creative, highly sensitive people forging their way. And I love that title because it really is we're forging our way through through this process. Definitely. My goal is to try to recreate some of what I do with clients in a in a non-therapeutic context. So obviously, so people can do it on their own, but to really give people that space to think about what does it mean to be highly sensitive or bright or gifted or creative? And what are some ways that I can live that out? So the book is really set up using my singularly sensitive approach, which is to help people explore who they are, how they feel, what they feel in their bodies, what their relationships and their spirituality are like. And then as they start to explore, to do some experimenting with how would it be to try something a little different? And what is that like? And then to take all that they're learning and integrate that into a lifestyle that's sustainable and rewarding and fulfilling, but grounded in the reality that high sensitivity doesn't go away. We have Mm -hmm. to figure out a way to live with it for a lifetime and adjust our lives accordingly. 
Yeah. And I love the way that the journal prompts are laid out under the different categories, basically under the letters for the word chaos. So maybe talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So chaos was something that came about actually with some of my writing group, because I was looking for a way to organize the journal prompts and just using the explore experiment integrate framework didn't really work. People were saying, well, you know, that prompt that you gave me to journal on, I really saw it more about exploring and you gave it to me for integration. So back to the drawing board, (laughs) but chaos sort of stood out to me as the themes that come up most often for people that I'm working with. Um, And I talk about committing to chaos because I think these are things that we have to continually affirm that we're going to deal with in our lives. So C stands for change. We always have change in our lives, whether we want it or not. Um, H is hope. How do we cultivate a mindset of hope in the face of change and things that are out of our control? O stands for obstacles. How do we overcome those obstacles that you know, as tries we might, we might not be able to plan for them or avoid them. A is for authenticity. And that's like one of the exciting parts for me is really about digging into what does it mean to be authentic and genuine as ourselves and to do that really fiercely and unapologetically, not in a way that infringes on other people, but just lets us be who we are. Mm -hmm. And then S is self-compassion. And that is so important in that way that we have to learn how to be kind and gentle with ourselves, even when we make a mistake, even when we feel like we come up short, because beating ourselves up and criticizing ourselves just keeps us stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love the, uh, well, one question that I had is what advice would you give to someone like me who I have been resistant to journaling? I don't know why, but when I do, it's really amazing. And I know that it's important to actually do the journaling and write the things down versus just thinking it through in your head. Because I tend to do that and try and take that shortcut where it's like, I'll read the question and I'll process it in my head. And oh yeah, I got that aha moment. Okay, cool. Now I can move on to the next. And so do you have any tips or pointers for someone that's looking at it like that and maybe sometimes struggles to actually sit down and write? Yeah, you're an absolutely good company. And as much as I love journaling, I'm not always real consistent with it. And I do that same thing of like, I just read this and like think it through or talk it over with a friend. I don't need to actually write. I think having some self-compassion for the difficulty of journaling is important because I think it really points to the way that there's a part of us that's probably afraid of what we're going to find. Journaling slows us down, especially if we're writing longhand as opposed to typing. Um, but it, it slows us down. It puts us into contact with our feelings and our bodies and our patterns. And sometimes that's really scary. And so we, we sometimes have to take it in small doses. So rather than suggesting that people like jump in and think they're going to do a whole lot of journaling all at once, start small. So if you don't have a fairly consistent journaling practice, maybe you just want to work on starting to write down one or two words every day and see if you can do it two days this week and three days next week and sort of build from there. Um, if you're a little more consistent trying to do uh, write a little bit more, you know, maybe another few sentences or another half a page, but really trying to be pragmatic with yourself about what's going to make me do this just a little bit and face that fear and then give myself lots of permission to back up when it gets to be mm-hmm. too close, too much, just to say, okay, I'm going to close that. And you know, I don't need to come back to that right now because I think that takes off some of that pressure that journaling has to look a certain way or you have to get to like some profound insight every time you pick up a pen or go to your tablet or whatever. It doesn't have to be that difficult. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even as you were talking, I was thinking of maybe I could pair it with something that I already do and already enjoy. And that's already part of my routine. Um, Cause I was thinking, oh, maybe when I make my tea in the morning, it's something that I look forward to every morning. And I'm like, oh, even if it was just once a week, pairing that with even just 10 or 20 minutes of journaling and then, yeah. And I think every time I do journal, I feel really good afterwards. And it feels like you've you've released some tension or you've, um, you know, it, it definitely has been healing. And I know something that I love to do is no matter what I'm journaling about, even if it's something really happy or something more difficult, uh, I love to burn things. Like, so sometimes I'll go out to my little fire pit in my backyard and just like burn the piece of paper. And it feels so good. And like, it's almost transmuting that energy. So I think if I can maybe pair it with my tea and then burn it afterwards, that would just feel really good. (laughs) Absolutely. I think a lot of people need that feeling of, I have to make this pleasant. So pairing it with something that you like, I think giving yourself some kind of reward. I mean, yes, there's the reward. If you come to that aha moment in your journal, you've got that reward. But maybe you do something really pleasant afterwards too, whether you burn it or not. Like maybe you you do your journaling and then you have your cup of tea because that's really enjoyable for you. Or for some people, you know, maybe then they let themselves go and like watch their guilty pleasure show or whatever whatever feels good. And I do think I it's really important for people to remember that once you get something out, you've gotten it out. You don't need to go back and reread it. So burn it if you want to, leave it on a shelf if you want to. I've had people who journal on dry erase boards so they can just wash it off afterwards. So whatever appeals to you for sort of releasing that, do it. It, it, There, There's a real value to externalizing the stuff that's inside of us through journaling and then not going back and mucking around in the same mm-hmm. same difficult moments. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it might just be one of those things that we know is really good for us, but sometimes we might be afraid about what we might find out or it might be difficult to you know, put some of those feelings to paper, but the way that you feel afterwards, I think always remembering, because now that I can think back to when I have journaled that, how I felt afterwards, like, yeah, you feel lighter and it's so, so wonderful and so healing. Yeah. And sometimes if it doesn't happen after that one journal session, I always encourage people to try to give themselves a couple of sessions. So give it three times or five times or seven times and see if you feel different a week later than Mm -hmm. you did when you started. Because sometimes we can have a journaling session that isn't that profound or life-changing. But over time, I think we get that feeling of like, oh, that felt good to just release mm-hmm. some of this. Um, and the, we know those ahas are coming. If they're not, if it didn't hit today, maybe it hits the next time I journal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, a good idea because yeah, they're the ones that I'm remembering are those profound ones, but there were lots of other times that I journaled something out and nothing maybe came of it, or maybe it did, and it was just a slower integration, or it might not have been this immediate thing. So I'm even just thinking if someone's using your book, maybe like picking out, um, because I know you have the the change, the hope, the authenticity, the obstacles, and the self-compassion, like those sections for the journaling, and maybe picking out one of each one of those things and giving it a good go through each one of those letters, and then seeing how you feel, because that could be 
like a week's worth of journaling, you know, a Monday through Friday journaling and maybe trying that out. Or even if you wanted to spread it out, if you're not a big journaler, like doing a Monday morning journal for five weeks. So, and, and giving it a good shot. Yeah. I love that creative way of just moving through those. That's one of the things that I encourage people to do is to make this process their own. So going through and doing one from each of the letter areas is great. Some people like to just do a deep dive and they want to do one each time they journal from one of the letters. That's perfect too. Really, it's about what works for that person to keep them engaged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of that, as I was reading through the book, there was one that stood, I mean, there's so many of them that I want to uh, journal on, but one under the hope section. So I want to read this little journaling prompt for everyone. And that way, you know, if you have, um, if you want to try it out and see, see what comes of it. But so here goes, this one says, Picture what happens if you zoom in and out on your life. How does adjusting the lens help you take a fresh, hopeful perspective on familiar aspects of yourself? How do you create a perspective of hope within the whole picture? If your lens does not have the zoom capacity you need, how can you move your feet and adjust the range until hope comes into focus? And I just thought that was very beautiful. I think that was standing out to me because I've noticed when I'm, you know, going through difficult times or just feeling like, you know, maybe just have a more of a negative view of, of life. If I zoom out and just look at the whole picture, I immediately, everything changes and I'm so happy and I'm so grateful because most of the times, like when you're in that, maybe you're having just a really bad day and just seeing some of the, the negative things or things that you wish you had that you don't. But by me, when I can zoom out and see it, it totally changes everything. So I think that's why that uh, this one in particular is standing out to me right now. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I really love that idea of zooming in and out because I think so often we can get caught in really going into detail about difficulties or hard times that are in our lives. And sometimes they're the really big life-changing ones. And sometimes it's just the bad day, the person who cut us off in traffic or whatever. And being able to just adjust how close we stand to that information and zoom back from it and say, okay, well, what part of that is my whole life? And what do I do with it? Where Where is there maybe a glimmer of hope somewhere in this darkness? And, and how can I shift my attention to that? I think is really about empowering ourselves to start that next step in changing our bad day or healing from something difficult that's happened to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I love how you mentioned like about the Zoom. Sometimes you may have to move your feet to get it. It's not like maybe your camera doesn't have the Zoom that you need. So you might actually have to put in a little bit more effort other than pressing the Zoom button on the camera. But it's like, oh, I, I need to move from this spot to over here in order to get this in focus. So it gives us a little bit of like, it's like, yeah, you got to maybe do a little bit of the work, uh, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have been a photographer my whole life. And that was one of the things that we always heard in my high school photography group was move your feet, move your feet. It's not just about the camera, just yourself. And I think that's always stuck with me as an important lesson. And it's to me, it's a really important 
empowering message too, because it says to us, we have the capacity to do that kind of hard work. You know, it might not come easily, but we have it within us to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And thinking about, yeah, the, the bad day, being able to zoom out. And even if you're having a bad few months or a bad few years, being able to have a really strong zoom to where you can zoom out and maybe look more on the entirety of life or maybe what's in store in the future or like the with it being in the section of hope, like your hopes and dreams and how things can get better. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I think we just need to hang on to that hope that this, this too shall pass. You know, I'm not going to always be in this position. And sometimes that takes a really, really long zoom lens to achieve. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) Yeah. Thinking about, um, maybe what, uh, what prompted you to write this book and what are you hoping that it that it brings to people? So I'll start with what prompted it. This has been a passion project for years. I um I've always loved collecting little analogies and metaphors and stories like the one you shared and I often use them in sessions with clients and I use them in my writing on my blog and I've given them as homework to people. And I thought, I need to collect these. I want to collect these. So that was really the impetus for this, was to gather them all in one place and to give people a chance to work through them on their own, in their own right way. You know, obviously, I can't see every highly sensitive person in the world. And even the clients that I'm seeing now could probably benefit from going into some of these prompts a little more deeply or returning to something. I had one of my clients said to me yesterday, I can't wait to see the ones that you've already used with me so that I can go back and journal on them again. And she's someone who saves all her old journals, although she doesn't usually go back to them. But she said, I'm going to go back and look and see what did I write the first time I saw this? And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So I think there's a way to help highly sensitive people just focus some of our energy, our attention, our creativity, and go deeper in ourselves, go more broadly into our experiences and see where do we come up with? Because ultimately, I think the world needs what highly sensitive people bring. Mm -hmm. I think we need more empathy and compassion and a sense of connectedness. And we get that through highly sensitive people living their lives to their best ability, you know, really allowing that sensitivity to shine through, whether you're in mental health, or you are an attorney or a tax accountant or something, it doesn't really matter what your field is in our personal relationships. How do we live in ways that are good for highly sensitive people? Because that's good for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, I love that where your client was talking about, oh, I want to go back and maybe see how I wrote about this prompt when I first wrote about it. And maybe now my answer has changed and there you might be able to see some movement or evolution in the way that they're um, thinking about these concepts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for that. And I think it's a nice activity. I could imagine someone doing what you suggested earlier about like journaling once a week on, on five different prompts and then go restart that cycle. Mm-hmm. on it again from the beginning and see what's different then. Sometimes mm-hmm. it only takes that little bit of time, a month or so to start seeing change. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's 
this may be a little off topic, but I have to read a sentence from the beginning of the book that I just loved because you were talking about the word weird and oh. where it comes from and like how, how it has changed. But this one sentence, uh, so I'll read it now. Your weirdness is the key to a life that fits you the way a bespoke garment brings out the beauty and essence of its wearer. So I, when I read that, I was like, oh, that is so beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I really, I've always loved weirdness and I love weird people. And I say that with all the love and respect in my heart. I think it's, we we don't need carbon copies of each other. Mm-hmm. We need everybody to be themselves and to really live that well. So I think that's the potential that I see in highly sensitive people. And um, I think more so because we're not necessarily a good fit for the mainstream, that that weirdness can come forward. And I love it. And I want to see more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my husband calls me weird all the time. And I feel like when I was younger, like I was probably weird on the inside, but it was like you wanted to conform and just do right. you know what everyone else is doing. And I wish that I was able to um, have let my weirdness show earlier and not cared about it. But, you know. You, you live and you learn. <laughs> we all get there. Yeah, I I definitely think it feels easier. And especially the older I get, you know, that, that it's much easier to live my weirdness and care less about what the world thinks. Um, but it's exciting to me to see young people, even kids saying, no, this is who I am. And I don't care what anyone thinks about it. I'm going to just mm-hmm. be myself. Yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts about the book or Uh, that you want to leave the listeners with? Yeah, I think, although it's not really meant to be a collaborative process, I love getting feedback from people. I love when people write me or um, leave a a comment on a post and, and let me know what stood out for them or what where, where something fell short of the mark, where they're still struggling. So I really hope that this in some ways sparks some dialogue between me and my readers and um, also sparks some dialogue among highly sensitive people about what, what are we doing here? And, you know, how are we letting our sensitivity guide us to that, that lovely weirdness that we're, we're meant to be? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. How can people uh, reach out to you and find you on social media and order your book and all that goodness? Okay. Yeah. My website is www.singularlysensitive.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at, at singularlysensitive.com. Um, the book is available on April 18th um, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple Books, and lots of other ebook outlets for people who don't necessarily want the the hard copy, but are going to journal somewhere else. So lots of options. It'll also be available on my website. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time today to talk about your book. And, and I just know that it's going to help support so many HSPs. Thanks so much for inviting me and for sharing, Cindy. truly grateful that you choose to join me here for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. For more inspiration and to see what I'm up to, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. If you're enjoying yourself here, please head over to Apple Podcast and hit those five stars and I'll be over the moon. If you'd like to work with me, join me in Forest Mind, my cozy, supportive, small group mastermind for introverted, highly sensitive solopreneurs who help and heal. And I'd love to see you at a tiny retreat sometime. 
May the forest be with you.